All right, uh, it's time for the Right Hook Health Checkup, of course. And uh, Kira Kelly is on her way in. And uh, it, it, she had difficulty getting here because she didn't have the air code uh, number, which uh, meant she couldn't find it. But she's now with me, looking most undoctor like, no white coat, no uh, what you may call it, in her ears. Uh, what do you call it in your ears? You mean a stethoscope? Stethoscope, yes, yes. Uh, note stethoscope in her ear. But she joins me now. Uh, we'll be dealing with the right health hook health checkup and your queries. And you get them in at 53106, cost 30 cents. And uh, if we don't get to them today, we'll do our best for next week. Uh, you're a busy working mother, right? All the kids are off school. Does this make it harder or easier? Harder, actually, yeah. I think probably like a lot of mums around the country who who work when they're off school, you're thinking, what am I going to do with them? Because normally they're in school till one or two in the day and that takes a care of half the day. So there's a bit of juggling. So so it shows my dedication to you, George, that, that I'm still coming in in the summer to do this. Now, some of these questions I take because my knowledge is Fair superior. Yeah. Number two is definitely for me. I dislocated my shoulder seven years ago and it regularly pops out. I pop it back in and it's not too sore. But for two days, the muscles are very sore. Anything I can do, have an operation. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I actually will give you that one. Yeah, look, those people who have recurrent dislocations, it's going to keep happening. And what happens is the muscles get stretched and the ligaments and all get more lax and it pops out more regularly and becomes a problem he needs to have it pinned yeah I mean it, it, you, you pop out lifting a point eventually yeah, yeah. and it slips yeah. out very easily and that's very uncomfortable and it causes damage to the joint by doing it recurrently he needs to go to his GP and go and see an orthopaedic surgeon yeah you know this acne stuff you lot are giving out the wrong pills again this fella's 38, he's been on DNF for 12 months for acne. The acne is now good, but he's had depression. Is there a link, I ask myself, between acne and depression? Uh, acne medicine. Um, this fella, as you refer him to, is on an oral contraceptive pill. So I'm presuming this fella is a woman. Um, oh! <laughs> because oh. because Dianet is, is not a pill that we give to men. I know about this stuff. Do you? But I do. Go on, spill the beans. A lot of women on oral contraceptives get acne, not so much on their face, but for instance on their shoulders and back. I am a father of two girls. Yes and no. In heretofore, older pills would have caused certain side effects, but they, they much less so now. And in fact, this pill that this, this young woman is on is actually used, it, it is a, a contraceptive pill, but it is used to treat acne. Um, but what they're saying is, is, look, I used to get a bit of depression, but I found it's been improved since I've been on the pill. Is it going to get bad when I go off the pill? And I think, unfortunately, the answer has to be, Possibly. Now, we don't know for sure, we can, and we're not saying yes, absolutely. But hormones do have an effect on your mood. Um, and the androgen hormones, the progesterone hormone, does have an effect on your mood. It can make you feel a little bit low. This this particular pill is an anti-androgen, so it may have had okay. some side effect, minor, that was beneficial. But look, if they need to come off it, they need to come off it, and maybe things need to be managed differently. Or at least see, you don't want to leave somebody on this forever. 
No, yeah. Well, now, uh, pregnancy. I'm an expert in pregnancy. Uh, and right? among other things. Yeah. Uh, ask Kira about pregnancy. Somebody not sleeping at night. They're on week 22. Uh, but I thought when you are pregnant, because you're so big and everything, it's very difficult to get comfortable. Is not sleeping part and parcel of pregnancy? Yeah, unfortunately, it kind of is. You know too much this evening, George. I shouldn't have bothered to come in. I chose all the questions. <laughs> you, you wrote all the questions. <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, except for this poor woman is only 22 weeks pregnant, so she's not massive yet, and she has another four-plus months to go. So um, that is a difficulty for her. But there aren't things that they can do other than, you know what, the old-school way of, of doing things. So um, a boring book, a warm bath... Um, a milky drink, all the idea of sleep hygiene can be applied to this woman, some nice lavender under her pillow, all that stuff, which may lull her to sleep to a certain extent. But you are correct in that when you have um, a big pregnant tummy, it is quite uncomfortable lying down and it is often much harder to sleep. Plus, you're getting up to do a wee four times a night and all that kind of stuff. How many weeks? 36, is it? Up to 40, sometimes 42. All right, well. And she's 22 weeks. All right. So well, she's not we, massive yet. Yeah, but what about the wife who's 35 weeks pregnant? Now she's she's big like. But the hay fever's driving her mad. Hay fever is rampant uh, at the moment. It's, is it? it's It's absolutely rampant. I'm seeing about 10 cases a day. And in some shameless self-promotion, but not for that reason, I wrote a piece in Sunday Independent, which is available online about what to do. So they should go and look that up. So that's the first thing. You can take a lot of stuff in pregnancy with hay fever, but you can't take antihistamines, which oh. is which is a problem. So what can you take? Well, you can take the saline sprays and the steroid sprays for the nose. You can take the anti-allergy drops for the eyes. A good thing to do is in the morning, George, in the shower, when it's steamy, is blow the hell out of your nose to clear the, the, the kind of the, the gunk but a nice simple thing you can do is put a bit of Vaseline up your nose to catch the allergens the, the actual you know the yeah, pollen and what yeah, have yeah. it's going to be simple sort of old wivesy stuff that we're using because the scary thing always is for women who are pregnant they're, they're always terrified taking stuff yeah, aren't yeah. they yeah, well, yeah they are which is understandable and then there has been like if you look back at thalidomide and various yeah. things there have been problems with drugs women were given in pregnancy um, so some drugs we know to be safe in pregnancy, some drugs we know to be unsafe in pregnancy and some drugs we just don't know about at all and you can't obviously experiment on pregnant women. This girl can take almost everything apart from the antihistamines but you know obviously sensible stuff too. Don't go in your back garden when the next door neighbour's cutting the grass. You know simple things like that you know is a good idea but a bit of Vaseline up the nose and the saline sprays and possibly some drops and, and, and a nasal steroid spray as well. Could you ask the heavily tanned doctor? Obviously, that, that, that sounds like a stalker text, doesn't it? Yeah, no, well, no, then you you were in Turkey spending all the money you make on sixty yes. quid an interview. <laughs> uh, uh, what are the classic symptoms of rotator cuff injury? I wake up in pain during the night. There's a noticeable clicking from both shoulders. This is a forty-four-year-old male, so he's not pregnant. No, this one is not pregnant. The classic, I suppose, classic symptom is, is um, if you were to swing your arm around in a huge arc, right? Yeah. So if you, if you swing yeah. swing your, your right or left arm around from, from, some, some, from your hand at your hip to your hand above your head, forward or backwards in a, in a complete arc, if you have a rotator cuff injury, you can't really do the top of the arc. So you can get so far up 
to the front or so far up to the back, but you can't do the loop. And then you know that you have because is is the rotator cuff the uh, the AC joint? Is no, it no, there? the rotator no? cuff is a series of muscles that work your shoulder joint, and All so right. you don't want to be boring you with the names of them, but they are, and they work in conjunction to so raise you your arm above your head and rotator um, what he probably needs to do 40, 40 if he's having, having problems is, is is maybe get an ultrasound or an MRI of his shoulder joint to have a look at the rotator cuff if it's in question. If it is badly damaged, it can be repaired. Your shoulder can also be injected, which can give you, you know, quite a lot of relief if you've got shoulder problems. Bear in mind that orthopaedic guys will tell you that if they examine a clatter of shoulders, lots and lots of them have rotator cuff right, injuries okay. without symptoms. But at 44, when you're young like that, I would suggest this guy needs some kind of a scan of his shoulder. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure whether I should take the next question, but I will anyway. Go for it. Uh, I've been prescribed an SSRI antidepressant, right? And, okay. For premature ejaculation is what he's got it for. You hone in on these questions. Yeah, but hold on. Well, he's 35 years of age, yeah. right? He's a bit suspicious of whether he should go through this. Now, premature ejaculation is better than the alternative, which is none at all. Agreed? Yes, but don't be I'm littlet. Not, don't no, be I, you didn't allow me finish. Yeah. Right? It's better than the alternative, but it's a disaster for someone who's 35. Now, why would you give them an antidepressant, SSRI? Why would you? Because it would slow down their ability to ejaculate. And, and would it? Yes, yes, it would. Um, and, and this guy has obviously spent some time talking to a doctor and gone yeah. through something. So, so I'm not saying that he should or he shouldn't. But the only reason I'm saying don't belittle it is for men who do suffer with premature ejaculation, it often is a real worry or concern Hold to them. Now. You can throw any crap you like at me on this programme. Never, ever accuse me of being lack of understanding of issues of male genitalia of which I have 74 years experience. Well exactly but you know yourself that, that for some I young... didn't have that problem and I know why. We won't go there. We, why not? Because, well, go... I could have a cure. <laughs> okay listener Okay, I'm just going to talk directly to you and we're going to, we're going to bypass George here for a second. It can be really upsetting to a young of man course. because he feels you know, that in the bedroom that he is now uncomfortable and he's afraid yeah. it's all going to go wrong and it inhibits him and yeah. it gives him all kinds of hang-ups. If this works for him, it may be enough. Now, there are other things you can do, but they involve things like CBT, cognitive behavioural stuff, where you literally are trying... You have no idea what you've just said, of course. You've just no idea what you've just said, but I let it pass. The censor might be after me. He will be after you. What I'm referring to, and I know what you're referring to, I'm referring to cognitive behavioural therapy, therapy. which is literally sort of during sex, you know, counting down and all that kind of stuff. The problem is, essentially, that when they first published, what's the female equivalent of, uh, of Playboy? Cosmopolitan. And it's not strictly true in fairness, but, but go on. Yeah. And they built up this thing in men's minds that they had to be super athletes in the bedroom. True. Right. Therefore, men, if they're not super athletes and can go for an hour and a half, they feel that they are in some way uh, uh, inferior or whatever. And I think this this propagation of sexual athleticism is very unfair to young men. 
Well, actually, I would argue further that that, that that putting pressure on young men and on young women to somehow have the kind of sex that you see in the films yes. is probably problematic for both. Do you know what I mean? Because it's kind of unreasonable to expect that everybody is an Adonis or, or you know, whatever. Um, this guy, maybe he should try it and see because if he gets it under control, it may in fact release him from the hang-ups yeah. that he's having and that are upsetting to him and it may actually mean that he can come off the medication and be fine. But Do you want my cure or not? No. Go for it, yeah. Why not? If you spent your entire youth masturbating... Oh, Lord. Well, you were practising. Like you, you think I just say this stuff for a bit of crack, whereas I'm actually serious. You, it, it is practice of the actual act, is it not? Is it not? After a fashion. Right. So, therefore, what you are doing is that you're, in effect, in training... You're, in effect, training your body. Brother Ignatius. Athanasius. Athanasius. <laughs> I would be turning in his grave. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't be happy. He really would. He wouldn't be happy. No. But I was world record holder in that department. Well. What are the main effects of dehydration, listener says? Dehydration... Uh, in, and I presume they mean in its mild form as opposed to its, yeah. its terrible form where you're in intensive care yeah. or whatever. Dry mouth, headache, fatigue, feeling, you know, unwell, feeling a bit hot and bothered. You, you'll feel dehydrated and you'll often crave liquids as well. You know, if you're in a very hot country, yeah. you'll start to crave a cold drink. That's the main thing. But routinely people who don't know they're dehydrated will often have a dry mouth and a, a headache. They would be the common ones of mild dehydration and I can only imagine that that's what our listener means. Now, Major uh, dehydration is yeah. a whole different thing. Now, I am the worst hydrator you've ever met, right? I really am. I'm Paulie because I don't like water, okay? But interesting, I played golf with a young female, an international, a girls' international, and she said it was very important to hydrate playing golf and also to have a couple of these bars, you know. It is amazing if you hydrate yourself playing golf, how less tired you are at yeah. the end of the 18. Well, exactly. Fatigue is part of it. And you're out there for several yeah. hours on the golf course. So, yeah. so hydration and, and, and lots of athletes for lots of sports prehydrate to avoid dehydration, if you know what I mean. So they drink in advance of becoming dehydrated to sort of prevent it from happening. Now, when somebody's talking about cellulite, I presume they're females, are they? Not necessarily because uh, because men and women can get cellulite. But, but, but anyway, go I for did it. a carb-free diet for a year, listener says, until it stopped working and my urine stank. And for the first time in my life, I got cellulite, which I'm guessing is because my gallbladder couldn't work in an acidic environment. Have I done permanent damage? Will the cellulite ever go away? Um, there's there's a little bit of of, of mixed junk science in there but let's just take somebody who went on a carb free diet probably a high protein diet which would have affected their urine and affected their kidneys and possibly in fact contributed to their cellulite will their cellulite go away no will their damage be permanent to other aspects of their body no if they go back to eating a b- balanced moderate diet that you know has plenty of fluid and has a, a you know, a, a balanced diet. No, that their liver and their kidneys and all that should be uh, able to cope. What's perfectly a carb-free well. diet like? What, it's for people, example, George, who don't eat, eat. They eat no bread, no pasta, no potato, no rice. Oh, really? you, you know all that sort of stuff. Oh, you I'm know, sure that's just mad. 
it's a food fad. It's a fashion. There are yeah. lots of fashionable diets out there, including yeah. a carb-free one. And diets should be okay. balanced and in moderation. Seeing as you shamelessly got a plug in for your article in the Sunday Independent. It's quite a good article. Well, in a couple of weeks, I am writing an article about the miracle diet. Oh, the miracle diet, I've christened it. Right, right. Is it something to do with religion? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I look forward to you it. You probably won't answer this. Is uh, Oh, yeah. Just as a matter of interest, I got a lovely letter from Helen in the West of Ireland. And she sent me a memento from the retreat conducted by the Redemptorist Fathers in her village in 1955. There right? you are. So there were prayers for work and prayers when you were tempted. So I opened up the program today with a prayer before work and the listeners are saying they'll never go listen again. <laughs> so it was popular then. Yeah. A, you might want to answer this. Is there an ombudsman that can be contacted regarding to a misdiagnosis or a non-diagnosis? No, I will answer it because I think we, 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 you know, that's what we do here. Um, No, there's not so much an ombudsman, but if you feel that you have been misdiagnosed, mistreated, neglected, those types of things, if you are unhappy with your medical treatment, you can go to the medical council if the complaint is against a doctor, or you can go to on board Altronis, which is the nursing board, uh, if your complaint is against a nurse. And um, those those bodies exist and you're free to complain to them if you are unhappy with your treatment and your treatment then will be looked into by those bodies. I would suggest this, though. If you are unhappy with something, perhaps the person to go to is the person that, that you're unhappy with. Because sometimes you put yourself through a bit of an ordeal going through okay. that system as well. And sometimes things are misunderstandings. But but that's who you would go to. I okay. don't think that we would, I don't think we'd hide that from our listeners. Okay. That's what you would do. I can't help you on the next question. So you're on your own. Uh, what are the benefits of hysterectomy versus oophorectomy for breast cancer survivor with heavy periods? DNC. Well, I know what DNC is. I, 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 um, that happened. Uh, uh, not to me. but I, I'm not surprised it didn't happen yeah. to you. Uh, but it didn't improve the situation age 51. Um, a hysterectomy is a removal of the uterus. An oophorectomy, George, is a removal of the ovaries. And what this person is obviously saying that they're, they're 51, they're very heavy periods, and what should they do? It depends. There's probably little point in taking out the ovaries at this stage they're almost kaput to be honest because you're you're now perimenopausal um you would should do either one of two things you should either do the hysterectomy i would i would guess or you should try and manage to struggle on a little bit longer because the periods are about to stop anyway. Very are they? Like, well, they are at 51, unless you're very unlucky and you're one of those women who, who go on and on. But most women, the average age of, of menopause is around 51. I would talk to a gynecologist here and see. And there are other things. And have you no interest in sex when you have the menopause? Um <laughs> That it depends on the woman, but but I'm glad you mentioned it because actually sex in the menopause is an issue for people because of um, postmenopausal issues with vaginal dryness and stuff like that. So lubrication is very important for people, um, and they should be not water-based lubricants. Most lubricants are water-based so that they don't erode condoms. This is probably not suitable for this time of the evening, but anyway, they don't. You know, you would water-based so that they protect condoms which is not an issue when you're 51 so they should be oil based but also people use vaginal pessaries with oestrogen that does help things too
Yeah, but that's only mechanical. You have done nothing about the fact that some are people interested or not. The mechan like you're down to saying, you know, uh, whether I like cycling or not. But you're talking about greasing the chain. Like, I mean, are you interested or not when you have the menopause? Is the question. I think that entirely depends on the woman. Does I think it? there are lots of women who are still very interested in sex perimenopausally and postmenopausally. And I have lots of patients who have active sex lives, male and female into their 60s, 70s, 80s. Equally, I have others who have no interest whatsoever. All right, okay. Uh, um, I'm taking this question. He's 32. He's fit. His uh, BMI is low. He eats healthy. He's had gout. Go for it. Gout has nothing to do with, run with his gym work or his fitness or BMI. It's very simple. He has uric acid mm-hmm. in excess. He has to get his uric acid down and he just goes to see not a GP. You go and see a rheumatologist. Pay the money and get it done. But you need something like allopurinol to reduce your uric acid. There, there, there are dietary things you can do as well if this guy is young and fit and he may want to avoid certain foods, but they're easily looked up online. Um, but yeah, but actually your GP will treat you for gout pretty effectively too, George. It's not, yeah, it's, GPs it's are, not brain surgery. All right. But it's really interesting now because I take the allopurinol. I, you know, I haven't had a gout, gout attack and whenever like I'm cured. Then I go to on my holidays to, in Portugal in April, right? And they have fresh orange juice in the morning. So I say, you know, scrap the tea and the coffee here. And I'm drinking about five glasses of orange juice. Boom. You see, orange juice, it, 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 everybody thinks it's because you're drinking red wine. Yeah. It, it's the citrus stuff is very damaging, isn't that right? There's, there's a rake of different things that will affect it. Um, and that's, as I said, that's a simple matter that the guy can just Google and go online. Or at some stage, maybe we'll put up a list of things on the website. We should. We should. We should. Uh, Anne and Leash, I have pain in my toes of my left foot intermittently. If it's intermittent. You're going to say, why is she bothering us? You're a very dismissive man of, the, of our listeners' ailments. Intermittent? Uh, yeah, intermittent. She All right. You call for the ambulance. I know you. Everything is a crisis. Dial 99. Next time you get a pain in your left foot, dial 999. No, Anne and Leash. That's not what we're going to say. There are a variety of reasons you get pain in your toes. One of the big ones would be circulation. And she can actually test this herself, as can all our listeners, by pressing firmly down on her red or pink toes till they go white and then releasing and counting. And if they haven't returned to a normal healthy pink or red colour from when they went white, within four seconds, the capillary refill is reduced and they have a problem with their circulation. Why didn't you tell me that when I had terrible troubles with my legs? You used to see them. You used to come in on Friday and you saw I had trouble with my legs. You never told me to pinch my toe. Would have saved me a truckload of trouble. We were already, your problems were already well established. All right, 53106, um, by the way, your questions. So it could be circulatory, but there are other things that cause peripheral pain like that. Sometimes neuropathies, George, and the pain then is often burning and intractable. Yeah, but she didn't say that. And like. that means it's nerve pain. Well, it's then, but also then there is arthritic pain in the feet, which is extremely common because your feet take an awful lot of a hammering, particularly if you're a woman and yeah. wore high heels over the course of your life. So, she may need orthotics. She may need her, her, her um, yeah. you know, veins looked at. There's a variety I of things. High heels should be banned. I find that uh, ironic. For coming, men. Coming from, High heels for men you. should be banned. Uh, 
question on recurring thrush. Now, I thought thrush was an STD, no? No, not necessarily at but all. every six weeks? Thrush is is a, a, a colloquialism for, for candida. Candida is a yeast or a fungal infection. People In your mouth? You can get it on the genitals or in the mouth. Oh. And, and so you can have genital thrush or you can have oral thrush. Um, they asked specifically, was there anything that they could eat or any, anything like that? Could they change their diet in some ways? There is some evidence. Now, now how we treat thrush usually is antifungals. So, so yeah. I, I'm presuming that they know that and that can be oral or topical or, yeah. you know, what have you. But if they want to change their diet, first of all, if you're... First of all, if you have a recurrent thrush, you should be tested for diabetes because people with diabetes who may not know they have diabetes are more prone to recurrent thrush. Second of all, what you should be doing is reducing your sugar intake because there's some evidence to suggest that if you have a low sugar diet, you're better off. Alternative practitioners, of which I am certainly not one, would suggest that they do better if they have uh, lemon juice and water um, as a drink, that that can help you. Also, people do use the live yogurts if we're sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that because you know the way I scratch my scrotum all the time. Good God. Yeah, well, the the doctor, uh, the, the the dermatologist who treated me said that I could, for whatever treatment I was taking, that I could get thrush from it. Yeah. And, and that I should take the yogurt stuff. Yeah. Yep. That, so live yogurt seems to be useful in relation to thrush. Live yogurts can be eaten, live yogurts can be held in your mouth and live yogurts can be applied directly to an area of thrush, even genitally. So so live yogurt has benefits. I'm taking the next question. Go for it. He, he has one leg a quarter of an inch, an inch longer than the other. Okay. He's 50. He's arsed about for the last 40, 50 years because the leg has been longer for 50 years. Now he's wondering why he has a pain in his pelvis and his hip and everything else or tonics you have to do it nowhere better than Kappa Hospital they're fantastic they have a section out there and he's looking to do it on the metal cart go out and buy the bloody orthotic and yet, I, I have nothing to add to that everything there is fine perfect <laughs> orthotics is the answer to one leg shorter than the other uh, in fact orthotics also help if you only have one leg in fact if orthotics had been around Long John Silver wouldn't have had a problem on Treasure Island next week Dr. Kira Kelly is back your questions as always to 53106 if you want me to answer them in which the answer is invariably confession or penance just mark your query for George.